please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the six o'clock pairing. On the tee, from River West, please welcome Gabe Neitzel. Also on the tee, from the third ward, this is Stephen Watson. It's Monday evening, and you're on the tee. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Now to take you around the course. Live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at Radio City. Alongside Stephen Watson, here's Gabe Neitzel. Let's go. We, the band is back together. I did not miss a show in 2021. Did every on the tee that we had to offer, and then I ended up missing back-to-back weeks, and I got another one I'm missing coming up here. Wait, what? In a couple of weeks. I'll be in Scotland. Sorry, pal. Not going to do this show. I don't know what the time difference is, but I think it's going to be like 2 in the morning. You're not going to do it from a bar in Scotland? No. On a golf trip? <laughs> this is a golf show. I don't want to get fired. If I do the show from a bar in Scotland at 2 a.m., there's a good chance that that's the last on the tee I ever do. That is the content that we are craving, Gabe Neitzel. You're really not going to do it? You're not going to no. give us a little taste of a Scotland no. golf trip? No. I mean, I'll, the following week we can discuss, but while I'm there, man, I am I am just turning everything and anything work-related off, and I am just going to be enjoying Okay, I can birth, respect that. The birthplace well, of golf. Well, we will highly anticipate your return to hear the golf stories from Scotland, because that is number one on my bucket list. On the T's opening segment brought to you by Heartland Movement Center. Improve your golf game with a personalized approach from their experienced team. Learn more at heartlandmovementcenter.com. Where I feel we need to start, and I was unable to participate in this event because... Of my positive COVID test, which is why I missed last Monday's show. But you're feeling better. I am happy feeling better. Back. I'm back. I'm feeling good. And like I'm, like everybody that I talk to is like, "Oh man, you got to be so bummed not to play in the hundred holes event," which was disappointing. But again, like t- the the bigger picture there is, we raised the money for childhood cancer. That's the important part. The, the only holes, part that matters. Yeah, the hundred holes is just like for me, and I get to have fun with you and Greg Matzik, who would have I, I would have been paired with, and we'd have gone around the golf course a number of different times, um, trying to figure out new ways to stay warm because apparently it it looked the pictures that I saw posted on social media it looked chilly. Yeah, not really a day that I would uh, call a pick day in the world of golf, um, but again. It was nothing about the golf and the number of holes and the weather. Like I think all of us who participated in this event, we were able to raise collectively over $180,000 for the mm-hmm. MAC Fund. And that that's is the, the important only part. thing that matters. Yes. I will tell you, the weather was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, it, you know, it takes a lot to take me off of a golf course, Gabe. Yeah. I think you're wired the same way. Like I will play in almost every element, but when there's sleet involved... That's tough. I think we've gone too far. That's tough. And there was some sleet. So what do you do, like, when you have to play a cold round of golf? Yeah. What do you, do you have any, do you, do you have the hand warmers? What, do you, what are your go-tos to try to stay warm on the golf course? I love to walk. Yep. I love to walk and carry. I'd actually, I can't stand golf carts. I, can, I, I don't enjoy them. I have no rhythm. 
Uh, you're in, you're out, you get tight. I find myself easily distracted, and it's partly my fault. You know, I got the cell phone right there. Yeah. And well, I, I, I just... Same thing. When I walk, it goes in the bag. Yeah. I very rarely look at it. And um, when you're playing golf for 8 to 10 hours in a day, mind you, it, w- it never got above 40 degrees. And there were a couple of holes where, you know, being at the bog, it can be open in some spots mm-hmm. on top of some hills. Um, I mean, it was it felt like it was 25 degrees outside. And... Um, I, I'm only complaining because, like, we're allowed to complain about our weather in Wisconsin in April. Yes. It was a miserable April. Well, and I mean, after at this last point, April, like, I mean, this is what March 34th at this or like March 64th at this point. Like, yeah, like this time last year, Gabe, I had 10 plus rounds in my books, mm-hmm. and I mean, I played almost five of them <laughs> in one day, <laughs> but it was it was really tough. It was really tough because I. I don't have winter gloves. I see. I just bought some for the first time, so I'm looking forward. To, I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm actually looking forward to having to use them at some point. You, yeah, you might need to for a couple more weeks. <laughs> I, it, it's miserable out there right now. I'll tell you what. I played around today at, at Brown Deer. It wasn't bad today because the wind was down. It wasn't that windy. Yeah. It wasn't that breezy. So like the the temperature of 52 was like a true 52. Now I still wore the vest and the long sleeves and you're still bundling up to some extent, but it's not like when I tried to play yesterday and you had to deal with the wind and it's definitely colder than what the temperature says. Our buddy Greg Matzik took videos at the start of all of our rounds for this 100 holes. We were only able to finish 65 because, oh, there was a frost delay, <laughs> you know. And you the know, NFL and, draft. And the NFL draft. So we both had to work on Thursday night for the NFL draft, but we were hoping to tee off by 7.15, 7.30, we really didn't tee off until about 8.50 in the morning because of a frost delay. Never a good you know, day to play 100 holes when there's a frost delay not a good, Not a good start to the day. It was tough. Um, I mean, if you look at Greg Matzik's Twitter page, he posted a video of the start of every single one of our rounds, and our clothes continue to add on every <laughs> single round that we yeah. started. Um, you know, but we had so much fun together. We definitely missed you out there, Gabe, because uh, we... we we love the game. We understood the bigger picture of it all. There was no complaining. The bog was nice enough to gift us a couple of blankets as well. That helped on the golf cart. And for the most part, you know, the weather was tolerable. But definitely my right hand, by the end of it, you know, I had the golf glove on my left hand. My right hand was, it, it took a while to thaw out. To when get the I, feeling back in When it. I was back in on set uh, for NFL draft coverage. It was, I, was, I was pretty raw and cold, but... We got 65 holes done in about eight hours, so we were pretty happy with it. Now, TaylorMade has been such a great sponsor of this event, yeah. and for playing in it, like for a tea gift, you get the choice every year of a driver, fairy wood, and wedge, or you get a set of irons from TaylorMade. Um, so every year I've done it because I like the irons I have, I get the driver, fairy wood, wedge setup. But this was the your first new wedge in s- how many years? Yeah, so I... <laughs> I've gotten new clubs um, a couple of times in the last few years, and I just got new irons at the beginning of last summer. I got a new driver last year as well. I've been waiting for a three-wood, and I was excited that was part of the gift exchange. I didn't realize that you're supposed to change your wedges very often. (laughs) Frequently! Like, frequently! Think about how much you use your 60 or your 56 or 54, whatever you have. I mean, Gabe, when you hit greens in regulation, you don't use them. No, I'm just kidding. That's not me at all. I use them a lot. 
Well, I guess I mean I guess I'm using it more because I'm just bombing it down there. I'm just driver wedge every hole anyway. Yeah, I mean I, I'm driver five iron. That's, <laughs> that's that's the game that we both play. No, I I had no idea. I mean it makes sense, right? Like you use them so often, the face kind of falls away. You don't have the spin on it. But man, I was gifted that new sixty degree wedge, and. I already put a lot of spin on the ball because I have a pretty aggressive downswing on the ball. I, I get balled in ground, and I, I can generate some pretty good backspin with my irons and, and my wedges, but I'd never seen anything like it. <laughs> turns, out, turns out with fresh grooves, the ball actually spins. Man, out of the sand, I was like a wizard, man. I, <laughs> it, was, it was so fun. And it, it's kind of like... So a lot of people don't know this about me, but like, I, I didn't have glasses until I was... After college, like had okay. just graduated, gotten to working, um, did some play-by-play, and realized like I couldn't see the far side of a football field. Makes tough. play-by-play a little That'd tough. That'd be tough. And so I, I think finally... he's out of bounds at about the thir- thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah. Th- thirty thirty. No, that's the forty-seven. Fortunately, it was just rural high school football in North Dakota, and <laughs> I, I still kept my job. But I so I got glasses and. Life for me went from SD to HD. I was like, what have I been missing? <laughs> like, how much of my life have I been giving up by not having HD vision? Yeah. That's how I feel about these, <laughs> these wedges. Like, I, I have pretty good wedge game. Like, now, your short game is in- incredible. Like, I, I love playing with you because you get up and down from some places. Like, you, you roll the, the ball on the green with your putter so well. Yeah, it, it like, saves... it's, fun, it's, fun to, it's fun to watch when you're playing with Steven. Yeah, as we talked about many times on the show. I don't have the distance, so I have to make up for it somewhere. Um, but now, like, I feel like I'm over overspinning the ball. I'm a little nervous. I gotta like work on my game. So now I, you gotta think of okay. So this is a 60 yard shot. Maybe I need to hit this like 64 yards because I'm spinning it back. Yeah, I and I already put the order in for the new 56 because I <laughs> love the 60s. So I got I got a whole new set, a whole new game of golf coming my way here in the next two weeks, and and maybe we'll have like plus 40-degree weather. Well, one guy who is certainly really good with his wedges as well finally made his way back to PGA Tour Champions this weekend, and that's Steve Stricker. We've talked about him a few times on this program. In fact, last week, you and Nolan uh, had Gary D'Amato from Wisconsin.golf, who's covered the entirety of Steve Stricker's career, knows him pretty well. Um, it was great to see him go out and not just play, but compete. Yeah. Like that was it was a lot of fun. I probably watched more of the Insperity Championship than I did of the Mexico Open. And I think it's it's something that we talked about last week. Um, these athletes, and specifically golfers and people that have won before on the PGA Tour, a guy like Steve Stricker, they don't compete in events just to compete. They compete to win. And I think that was such an important part of Steve's return. It wasn't, you know, and that's what Gary had said from talking to him. is like he, he didn't just play in Sparity just as like a tune-up. He played to win. And he comes out and he was at the top of the leaderboard after the first round. Mm-hmm. And he was in the hunt until that rain delay in the final round. I mean, it was... He, he hit three bogeys and 17 birdies in his first tournament back. That's so good. It's unbelievable. I mean, he went... So he goes 67-65 to open, shot 70 yesterday, needed... He, so he was tied with Steve Olker, ended up losing by five because Olker shot a 65. Like, Olker yeah. went out and he got it. It's not he like won Stricker, the tournament. Yeah, it's not like Stricker went out there and... No, I mean, he just... He shot a 70. It was... It wasn't his best round of golf, and, and a lot of times on PGA Tour champions, if you've ever been out to the events at um, at University Ridge in the AmFam Championship, like... 
that golf course isn't as easy as those guys make it look. Correct. They go low there, and the, the winning score is usually around 15, 16 under par for just three rounds. It's unbelievable yeah. how good they play and how well they play at that golf course. So that's what you, you typically need three rounds in the 60s to win there. And it's just great to see him because you know how much competing means to him and how much he means to the state of Wisconsin when it comes to golf. And also what it means to his family. Like They are a true natural foursome. You know, yeah. him and his, his wife and his daughters. And um, I saw the PGA Tour of Champions tweet out this picture of, of him and Nikki in 1993, I think it was. And, and then them in 2022 together. And she's still out there caddying for them. It's such an unbelievable golf story and family story. So I know how much that meant for him, I would imagine, to be back out there with his wife on the bag. And his daughters made the trip, you know, to Woodlands to, to watch him compete. And... You know they're they're a special family. He's a special guy, and I I can't even imagine. And I hope that we can get Steve on this show in in the upcoming weeks, um, especially leading up to the AmFam that he will be back at in June. But I would love to know what the emotions were like for him on that first tee box on Friday, because after what he had been through for the last six plus months, to finally play a competitive round of golf again after. Wondering if he was going to survive. I mean, that, that's that got to be an unbelievable emotional moment. And he's a very emotional guy. Yeah, he is. He is he's very emotional. And it's it's fun. He plays a fun brand of golf to watch just because of how good he is with that short game. You know, and anytime he gets that wedge in his hand, you're going, all right, how, how close is he going to stick it? Yeah. How close is he going to stick it? And it's unbelievable for him to not play golf for six months, essentially, and go out there and be in the mix. Now, he doesn't know if he is going to play this week. There's an event in Atlanta. He had thought about it, and and it kind of, um, you know, do I want to play in that? My guess is ultimately he doesn't, because then PGA Tour Champions has two back-to-back majors. They have the tradition and then the senior PGA Championship after that, and I'm guessing he's going to want to... Um, be ready for both those. Now they'll yeah. have a week off between regions and the, the PGA, the senior PGA. Um, so there won't be an event. So he would have time to rest up. But I, I can't imagine he plays this week. And it, the way the way he played, I think he can go into the tradition feeling good about his opportunity to compete for a senior major. And the one thing I love about listening to Stricker talk about his rounds, he's so open and honest about how he really felt he was playing out there. And he said he was really happy with how he played. But after that second round, when he was still, I think, in the lead entering the third round, or at least in second, he said he was exhausted. And he said this is the part of working back that playing next week probably wouldn't do me any service because my body still is not there physically, you know, to, to play and walk three rounds and mentally. And and, and then just, once you get to those majors, you're going to have to add an, an additional round because exactly. they'll play four rounds in those majors. So I, I think he, he still is weak and he still is trying to fight back and, and get that strength back. And we saw he can compete, but it's kind of like Tiger at the Masters in a different way. Yeah. You know, can he make it through the physical and mental demands that competitive golf brings? Is this truncated schedule, truncated major championship schedule on the PGA Tour, this is year I don't know, three, I think, with that season three that we've dealt with this, where the PGA Championship is now being played in May versus being played at the end of the PGA Tour schedule in August. Is that kind of killing all the events? Other than the majors in this middle portion of the PGA Tour schedule, we'll discuss next on the team. 
The opening segment was brought to you by Heartland Movement Center. Improve your golf game with a personalized approach from their experienced team. Learn more at heartlandmovementcenter.com. On the Tee with Gabe and Steven continues next on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Is it me or is the PGA Tour schedule boring? Yes. It's terrible. Like, it's terrible, and I think they have no one to blame but themselves. They want it, and I understand why they did what they did. And as a Wisconsin golf fan, I was upset that they moved the PGA Championship to May because I firmly believe that every five years, they were going to have a PGA Championship at Whistling Straits. That was the cycle we were on. It would have been skipped in 2020 because they had the Ryder Cup. Oh, and they've just like... Hosted the off. hell out of all of them. Yeah, exactly. Like the PGA, the, the PGA of America clearly loves Kohler, and they love what Whistling Straits because they just have such a giant footprint. I mean, if you were up there at all in in September for the Ryder Cup, I mean, to, to have the Dive Village and all this stuff, like they just have, you can do so many things. They can make so much money, but they decided to move the PGA Championship to May because they didn't want their playoffs running up against NFL football in September. Yeah, which makes sense because the NFL just got 10 million people to watch their draft this past week, and that was down, and that was a down year for them. All right, they got 10 million viewers, and that was bad for the NFL. So I understand wanting to be out of the way, but I think one of the unintended consequences these other events just kind of meh. Like RBC had some RBC had a pretty good field. But that's because I feel like RBC has some pretty significant ambassadors tied to their brand. So they show up the week after the Masters. And they have a lot of good talent from South Carolina that likes yes. to play in that event. Yeah. They, they, they all like to do that. So you have that. But then the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. You're not getting a lot, a lot of good players for that. I have no idea why John Rahm decided to play in the Mexican Open. Because it was the easiest win of his career. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like The field was not very good. And this week, the Wells Fargo, which I feel is typically an event that you're going to get some some pretty big names. I mean, again, you look at the past champions list, you're going to see Rory McIlroy's name on there a couple of times. Jason Day, who was in 2015 was on, you know, one of the hottest players in the world. Uh, Ricky Fowler, his first win back in 2012 when he was a lot better, unfortunately, than he is now. <laughs> but this, I feel like, used to be a big field, and now. You have two players in the top 20 in the Fisher World Golf Ranking, and Rory McIlroy at 7, and Abraham Answer at 20, who are going to be teeing it up this week. And the only reason you're getting Rory is because he's the defending champ. Yeah. And, that, and that's I, the only reason he's playing in this. Maybe, maybe it's because it's not going to be in North Carolina this year like it typically is, and it's at Quill Hollow. No, instead it's going to be at TPC Potomac. Which we used to host a PGA Tour event uh, in the middle or early July. This used to be the Tiger Woods event, um, which now is the uh, Quicken Loans in Detroit. But, and maybe it, that has something to do with it, but even after that, AT&T Byron Nelson. 
maybe some guys play that because some guys like to play the week before a major. And you'll get your Texas guys. You'll yep. get your Scotty Schefflers, your Jordan Spieths, mm-hmm. you know, those guys who like to play back in their home a- state. In Texas. And obviously a lot of professional. After that, Charles Schwab Challenge. Probably not going to get all the Texas boys for that one. You have the Memorial, which will be big because that's Jack's tournament, and it's an elevated event. So the money is up, all that is up, and then you have the Canadian Open. Probably not going to see a lot of people playing that before. The U.S. Open. Then you have the Travelers, John Deere. Maybe, and this is the first year they've done this, the Genesis Scottish Open. So that's going to be a co-branded event between the European Tour, or the DP World Tour now, and the PGA Tour. So it'll be a co-branded event at North Berwick in Scotland, and they're going to have the Scottish Open the week before the Open Championship, so maybe some guys go over early and play in that. But it just feels like, after having an incredibly exciting opening to the season, like once you hit January and February, you just it's great event after great event when you have the Farmers, uh, Pebble Beach, Phoenix, Genesis. You have some really good events. Arnold Palmer Invitational Players Championship. It just really feels like it dies off in this part of the schedule because of the PGA being inserted into May and guys are still trying to figure out their schedule and we're not getting these loaded fields of, oh man, they got five of the top ten world in the world playing in this event this weekend. Is it Does it get you to watch the FedEx Cup more or less? Because I, that was the design of this, yeah. right? It, it was to move the PGA up so they get more eyes on their big money build-up toward the end of their golf season. That's the only reason that the PGA moved up. Yeah, that 100%. And, by the way, this is this segment. I'm a little rusty. It's been a couple weeks. And apologies to our friends at Ewald Automotive because we're talking about these great things on the PGA Tour. Not so great things, but it's all about the drive brought to us by our friends at Ewald Automotive. Sometimes it's all about the drive. But off the tee, it's all about the drive. The best and biggest shots of the weekend. That house is like 400 yards away. Is that good? That's unbelievable. It's all about the drive. On On the Tee is brought to you by Ewald Automotive. Shop the Ewald Automotive Group, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile limited warranty on all new vehicles. Visit any of their eight locations today, in-store or online at ewaldautomotive.com. Ewald Automotive. We make it easy. So to answer your previous question, I think it makes me care less about the FedEx Cup. Because, I mean, these events, like... Which is exactly what the PGA Tour... That's a nightmare to hear you say that out loud as a mm-hmm. golf fan. Because that's why it's designed this way. And, yeah. I, 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 I I'll tell you what. The, the, FedEx, the, the FedEx Cup doesn't do much for me as a golf fan, period. Because the way they do the Tour Championship now, I don't like the net Tour Championship. Yeah, I don't like it. Where either. they stack everything. I mean, the events leading up to it, and now FedEx St. Jude's going to be one of those. Um, playoff events, the BMW Championship. like Those are fun events because you have the best players in the world playing. We had a great playoff last year between Bryson DeChambeau and, Can- and, Can- and, and Patrick Cantlay. Like, that was a fun event because we have those. And it just seems that the only time in the summer, in the heart of the golf season, that we're getting the top players in the world together are those four major championships. I think that there is a couple of problems with the schedule. One is the introduction of PIP. I think that players are realizing they don't have to play every single week because they're being incentivized to grow their brand. If you're if you're a top player. Yeah, a top player. And they're picking and choosing where they want to play. And as long as their social media is good and 
you know, in addition to that, they get that same paycheck that they might get for winning a 3M Open. Or, you know, yeah. and, and maybe that's why... But this is still a sport that needs its stars to play every week. Because you're not, you're not going to get people to watch the Mexican Open with just John Rahm in the field. I know he won, and it was fun to watch him play on Sunday, but you, you need more names. And, and I, don't know, I don't know if it's a situation of doing some more creative tournaments that we're starting to see and hear of with this live tour. I would love to see a crossover event with the LPGA. Oh, I mean, the fact that they haven't figured that out yet is yeah, I, I, beyond I, me. And, and you know, the Zurich wasn't that bad. I, I enjoyed watching it. No, I, the I'm, Zurich is fine. And, like, you know, they're trying something different with the match play, but they, they need to get more creative. And, you know, just throwing together a 72-hole tournament at a random club in the middle of the schedule ain't doing it for me either. No. It just, no, it's not. Because, again, after, after the Open Championship, you have the 3M, the Rocket Mortgage, the Wyndham Championship. You're just not going to see anybody playing until, unless they absolutely have to. Like, some star is playing toward the back of the 125 to get into the playoff events. I, I just don't see a lot of people showing up. So this is, what we're, this is what we're faced with, of not a lot of the top players in the world showing up. Again, thankfully for the Mexican Open, at least for the folks down there, John Rahm did show up. By the way, can you imagine if Rahm wasn't in that field? It, it, it would feel like an opposite field event. Yeah. It, it would feel like the Puerto Rican Open or the Barracuda Championship or one of those that are just, oh yeah, that's right, they have this, uh, the Barbasol Championship, you know, just weird events that the PGA Tour has that you kind of forget exist until you leave Golf Channel on too long the weekend of a major <laughs> and you're going, oh, these other guys you, are playing too. You, you wake up after a nice nap and you're like, oh, yeah, what oh. tour is this? <laughs> oh, this must be Corn Ferry. No, no, it's not, my friend. So I, I wonder if that's something that they'll continue to tweak with or if this is something that they are now comfortable with, that this is their reality, that this was the sacrifice that they decided they needed to make for those three playoff events at the end so they wouldn't be going up head-to-head against the NFL regular season games. And now they're just throwing NFL players on a golf course as ways to get people to watch golf now, too, right? Like the match is June 1st. Yeah. Right before Memorial. Yeah, the Wednesday before the Memorial. I I would rather watch Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady play Josh Allen than Patrick Mahomes than watch the Mexican Open. Yeah. Is Josh Allen good? Is he a good player? He's the worst of them with like a nine handicap. Okay. But I got to imagine, he's a big dude. Like, he's bigger than you think. He's got to hit some bombs, right? I would think so. I mean, he's probably the longest of, is, of the four of them. He's got to be. He's like a freight train. He's like 245 pounds. The dude's a freight train. Yeah. We're in 20 miles an hour on a football field. It's insane. I'm excited for the match. <sighs> I don't know if I am. I think it has the potential to get bad because it's you don't have a professional there to kind of save it. They knocked it down to 12 holes. Very good decision. Yeah, yeah. If, if it would have been six hours of those four guys, that would have been tough. But I, I think Brady and Rodgers are good enough personalities that they... They're they, good enough entertainers exactly, that they'll figure it out. They understand the showmanship that we don't get from not having Phil in this event. Because who knows when we'll see Phil play again. Do you think he is a part of that announcer crew? Because he's been involved in each and every one of those matches, either as a player or as a commentator. What if, could Phil's return be in the booth? I mean, look. 
he would instantly be the best one because, I mean, Nick Faldo does absolutely nothing for me and Paul Lazinger does less. But he would instantly be the best one. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's registered for the PGA. His agent said he hasn't fully committed. He just wants to keep his options open. But I have a hard time believing that we're going to play the PGA without its defending champion. I agree. Like, Phil's, Phil's going to be playing May 19th. So is Tiger. Which is pretty exciting. Phil and Tiger coming to save the day. Annex Wealth Management is a proud sponsor of On the Team. Time to know the difference. Annex Wealth Management provides investment, retirement tax, and estate planning as a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to put things in order. Visit AnnexWealth.com and just click the Get Started button. We're going to dive into some of our picks this week. Coming up next on the team. Back to the course and on the tee with Gabe and Steven after this on 94.5 ESPN. This is On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. just thinking this after you mentioned the fact that Tiger and probably Phil are going to be at the PGA. The fact that Tiger is going to be, for however long we get this version of Tiger, that's just going to make this problem worse. Because he's only going to be playing the majors. He's not I going know. to be playing these other events because of the physical limit limitations that he has. So that's going to make the problem of everything else feeling so much smaller than the majors, which... I mean, the majors need to feel bigger anyway because that's what we really care about when it comes to professional golf. I was going to say, is that bad or good for golf? Because having Tiger is always good for golf. Oh, 100%. 100%. But it's, if, you, if you are the PGA Tour, it's bad for you. Fair. But ultimately, there's probably too much golf. Yeah. Like, the PGA Tour probably has too many events. I mean, that's at the end of the day, you know, do we really need to have... The Charles Schwab Challenge. As long as they're getting you know, I'm, again, paid I'm, yeah, by I'm Charles sure. Schwab, yeah, uh, they're not. They're, they'll they'll have it with, you know, the Corn Ferry Tour if yeah. they need to. Yeah, so they'll figure it out. But it's just at some point, some of that money stops coming in because of TV contracts. If nobody actually wants to watch what you have, which is why things like you know the, the Live Golf League that's coming out, and you know the the Premier Golf League, which has a lot of similarities to whatever Liv is now going to call themselves, where it's events that are spread apart, fewer events, but you get the big names for more because they understand, like, hey, we need to get these guys. Like, These are the guys who drive golf, the Rory McIlroy's, the Jordan Spieth's, the John Rahm's, the Scotty Scheffler's. Like, those are the guys that drive golf. And if they aren't playing, you're probably not going to be paying attention. You need, like, 15 Genesis Opens on, on your tour schedule yeah like you need that that's more efficient and more and and a better viewing product for growing the game than having 15 3m opens and two genesis opens and and they have so the the big events every year on the pga tour schedule you have the four majors yep you have the players you have the match play because it's the last wgc standing and then you have three elevated events 
which are Tigers event, the Genesis, as you mentioned, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and the Memorial, which will be coming up after the PGA. And one of those three kind of gets diminished because of how close it is. It's the week before the tw- the the Players' Championship, mm-hmm. and that's the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So that has even lost some of its luster over the years. So when you are elevating the money and guys still aren't showing up, you know you've got a problem with some of this. Yeah, I I just... I also, I, I think Century cha- Tournament of Champions is always fun to watch. Maybe it's because watching Hawaii in January is, is well, and it's prime time to my eye. 100%. Um, it's a dead time. It's, you know, you do have um, playoff football maybe going on now, end of regular season football, I guess, uh, with the way that the NFL season has been pushed out. But it's still, yeah, it's fantastic. Wednesday, Thursday, or excuse me, Thursday, Friday, you just throw it on. It's on until... 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. It's fantastic. I'm going to make a little pivot here because I didn't get your thoughts on this last week. Like, Do you think the live could be good for golf, or do you see it as only a negative? I actually think it's going to be good for the game. I think the ideas that they have, which are very similar to the PGL, in terms of having this team aspect and, and just trying some different things, having these bigger events, big, big purses, having people show up. Yeah, I, ultimately I think that's a good idea. Now... How it's going to catch on is going to be really tricky with the money attached. Mm-hmm. Because they've announced seven, eight events. Eight, and they're trying to get to 14. How do major sports entities make money? What's T- their biggest TV money? contracts. Who are, who's televising these events? Fair question. And that's the big thing. I think they're going to have a big hurdle finding a television partner. Yep. It's going to be a very tough thing to now have to work with the media when where the money is coming from killed a member of the media. That's a tough bridge to, that's a tough bridge to, to, to jump for them. Yeah, I, I think it's a very good point. Y- you wonder if somebody like an Amazon will latch on, you know, because they're yeah. starting to do live sports or a YouTube TV. You know, that, that's where I see this going. But or they, a Fox. They have, they have the big money. Yeah, maybe Fox Sports, because yeah. they lost the U.S. Open. And they have no affiliation to the PGA Tour anymore. Correct. But ultimately, I think it can be good. But they're going to have a chicken or the egg problem eventually. Like, they have all this money. Now, they may be fine with losing some money at first, but eventually they're going to want to get some sort of return on this. And if you can't get the big-time players involved, like if it just ends up being, you know, Phil... And Kokrak and Kevin Na. And like, if it just ends up being these Westwood, guys. Yeah, Bubba. Lee Westwood. Yeah, like, if it ends up being a bunch of guys, like, because I saw uh, today Greg Norman said they've got two world number ones. So my guess, the former world number ones, and I guess that's Luke Donald, and my guess is that's Lee Westwood, are the two that have signed up, which. Was right? Bubba ever number one? No, I don't think he ever made it to number one. Yeah. But I think Bubba could potentially be there. But if it's just these guys at the at the tail end of their career looking for a big paycheck, like that's not going to draw eyes to it. Like that's not going to be something that people want to watch. Would you rather watch them or a Champions Tour event? Strict plan. I guess we're we have a little like home bias yes. there in in that. If you strict know, plan, with, with I'd strict rather and watch Jerry strict. Kelly, who yeah. are always competitive in that. Um, I would rather watch. Back end guys who can still really make shots that wow me. So I guess let, instead let's, of let's do sixty it year old VJ Singh. Their first their first event is going to be up against the RBC Canadian Open. What a great event to be up against! Honestly, it's a terrible 
slot on the PGA Tour. That's the only way they're going to get eyes is to slot Ooh. it against. Apparently Maroon 5's playing an opening concert for the RBC, so factor that in. No. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I can see any sort of players that have committed to the Canadian Open. That's how I ended up on their splash page. Uh, yeah, with, with it being so far away, nobody's committed to it quite yet. But champ, again, that's the week before the U.S. Open, so you're probably not going to be getting a lot of people, although Toronto to Brooklyn, to, to the country club in Massachusetts, not going to be that big of a jump. So maybe you get some names, some of the similar names that you're going to well, see at the ATT brought by Nelson, people that want to play before and, that. And major. the live is in London. Yes. Which is, that's also a, a way tougher commute for somebody trying to go from London to, to Boston. But with the money involved... Clearly worth it for some of these guys. Yeah. All right, we do have to make some one call. That's all Gruber Law Office's picks for this week's event, which is the Wells Fargo Championship, typically played at Quail Hollow, not being played there this year because the President's Cup is going to be played there later this season. So it is at TPC to uh, Potomac in Potomac, Maryland. Again, we, we discussed this. Only two of the top 20 players in the world in Rory McIlroy, Abraham, Abraham Answer are playing in it. Other notables include Gary Woodland, Webb Simpson, Sergio Garcia, Patrick Reed, and past champions Max Homa, Jason Day, Brian Harmon, James Hahn, and Ricky Fowler. I last week said it would be stupid to not pick John Rahm in the field of the Mexican Open. It would be stupid to not pick Rory after what he did on that Sunday at the Masters and the momentum that he might have. But I'm not going to pick Rory because that just seems too obvious. I'm going to go with friend of the show, Max Homa, hey! as our Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Pick this upcoming week at Wells Fargo. He is a, he's a past champ. He is a past champ, again, at a different golf course. Same thing with Rory. And it's the first time we're going to see Rory since that 64, that electrifying 64 at the Masters. And I am hoping, I am really hoping that he found something. Yeah. Like, if he found something, it's going to be awesome. I hope he plays well. I hope his name is on that front page of the leaderboard. So we are talking about him heading into the PGA Championship. But I'm going to go with somebody who has had a success at this event in the past. Granted, different golf course. But also has the course record at TPC Potomac. Oh. And that is number 20 in the world, Abraham Answer. I picked him last week. He let me down. <laughs> I'm good for one. He hasn't been playing great. I'm golf. good for one. Abe answer pick a, a season. I thought the Mexican Open is his home soil would be it. Yeah, I, I love watching him play golf. Yeah, when he's when he's Dude got it strikes right. an iron. He's got it right. I mean, he's one of those guys that kind of in the same vein of Ricky of JT. When you see how big they are, you're going, wait, how is he hitting the ball that far? Yeah. Like, when you see Bryson, it makes sense. Like, okay, I see him. When you see Coke somebody rack. like Kokrak <laughs> or uh, Brooks Kepka, you're going, okay, this is a larger athlete. I understand why you're hitting the ball that far. Abe Answer is like 140 pounds soaking wet. Soaking wet. Dude's, dude is really short, too. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying. Like, it just, you know, you, you see he, he these. Came, he came in second last year. Yeah, right? he did. Yeah. To, yeah, he came in second to, to, Rory. Uh, to Rory. And again, you see Ernie Els. Okay, he's tall. He's got these long arms. I see how he's generating the leverage to get the speed he gets. And guys like Abraham Answer, again, really, really fun to watch. But again, this week, not a great field at the Wells Fargo. Now, typically, Wells Fargo. Is, being, is played at Quail Hollow, which has a famous ending called the Green Mile, very tough ending. So that got us thinking, what are some of the tougher closing stretches in the state of Wisconsin? We dive into that coming up next on The Team. 
No ifs, ands, or puts. There's more on the tee with Gabe and Steven coming up on 94.5 ESPN. Four, it's on the tee with Gabe Neitzel and Steven Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Golf weather in Wisconsin is here. Is it really? Are we sure about that? Uh, yeah, it's Wisconsin. It like snowed this week. <laughs> but the good news is, if you're going to looking for a great place to get outside, head to Fairways of Woodside in Sussex. The great thing is they've got opportunities for you to play inside. So whether or not weather is a factor for you, you can head to Fairways of Woodside in, success, in Sussex. It's a great atmosphere. We love it out there. Rob and his team have done such a great job with the great food, drink menu, amazing hospitality. So you're going to have fun whether you're playing inside or outside. I love to get out there with my golfing buddies. You should get out there as well. Book your tee time today at fairwaysofwoodside.com. Now, Fairways of Woodside actually does have, on the back nine, a pretty tough stretch of holes. Unfortunately, it's not their closing stretch because... Well, their 18th hole is about as handshaky as you can get. But there are some really tough closing stretches in some different courses in the state of Wisconsin. And usually with the Wells Fargo this week on the PGA Tour, it has one of the tougher closing stretches on tour with the Green Mile at Quail Hollow. Now, we won't see that until later this year at the President's Cup since at PP, uh, TPC Potomac this week. But it just got me thinking, what are the, some of the tougher closing stretches in Wisconsin golf? And what first came to your mind, Stephen? Well, the first one that came to mind is the U.S. Open host in Aaron Hills. I, I think that my average score on 18 is probably a 7. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's actually true. But I, I, I think 18 is incredibly hard. I think that um, we've watched magic happen there at the U.S. Open with what Justin Thomas did. But I, I think that 16 is a sneaky hard par 3 on that course. Yep. 17 is a long par 4. It is. It, 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 it's right in front of you, but it's long. And but, I mean, you have to, again, you have make sure you listen to your caddy on that hole because naturally I think you want to go further left than you should. Like the number of times where I thought I've hit a really good tee shot there and I'm in just barely in that left rough, Yeah. and now I've got a tougher second shot in. Yeah, because you're blind over the hill with mm-hmm. front bunkers. I should have backed up to 15, which is the best hole in the golf course. And one of the true risk is, rewards in all of golf. So much. Like it's it's a really fun, you know, risky type of play. You can play it safe off to the right, or somebody like Gabe, who might have that in their bag, can can think green. Um, but I I find seventeen and eighteen to be round ruiners for me at Aaron Hills on my scorecard. Yeah, you can be feeling really good. I, I can go five six there real quick and be like, crap. Like there's no there's no worse feeling. Then walking off of a golf course deflated after playing a pretty solid round up until that point. And I, I feel like I, that happens to me at Aaron more often than not. Yeah. I mean, again, if you, if you want to talk about tough stretches, you think obviously about whistling straights as well. Yes, there yeah. is a par 5. That's the 16th that gives you a bit of reprieve. But the 17th and 18th, those are tough. Yeah, it's all about the wind. I mean, yes. I, I, if the wind is whipping off of Lake Michigan on 17, it's maybe the most intimidating shot in the state. Oh, it's just, it's such a, yeah, it's so hard. Especially if the pin's front right. Yeah. It's kind of hiding behind the, the tall mound and that's like 30 yards. Oh. Or for you, you have to really draw. Yeah. It, but 
Yeah, you're playing a little cut in there. Yeah, I've, I've got to play a draw and hope that it somehow stops because yeah. you're hitting a long iron into that green. Because, yes, you're going to be dealing with wind. Uh, I also want to nominate the bull at Pinehurst Farms because it's one of the toughest golf courses, you know, in the entire state of Wisconsin. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we leading into the Zurich, we... we yeah, I think it was Nolan was with me, and we were talking about the best match play courses in yeah. the state, or maybe that was with you. Yeah, I, it was. Yeah, it yeah. was leading up to Zurich, and I think the bowl is a great match play course because the holes are so hard, <laughs> and especially the finish is so hard that mm-hmm. it would make for a great match play event. There's a really good par three that there's all water to the left, mm-hmm. so you, I mean, obviously left is dead there. A uh, couple of really narrow uh, that's 15. A couple of really narrow shots that you have to hit on 16 and 17. It's just it's such a tough golf course and it's such a tough close that would certainly um, be on my short list of of toughest stretches. Now you had also mentioned. You've played Pine Valley up in Sheboygan. They, they must just like, Pine Hills. Oh, Pine, Pine Hills. Hills. Me, oh, Pine Valley's the uh, yeah. That the Pine Valley would be fun to play yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> Pine Valley. I'd be a fan if everybody knows and can get us out there. Um, but must be something up in the Sheboygan area where they're just building tough closes to golf courses. I mean, that course it might be the hardest course in the state. It also might be one of the best kept secrets in the state. Um, it's a private course, so it's it's tough for people to get on. Uh, you gotta know somebody. Um, but they have crowned greens on almost every single hole, and it's an elevated green, crowned. I mean, you really have to play crafty. Um, I think Pine Hills, if you ever have an opportunity to play it, say yes, and and don't miss that opportunity because it's hard. But it's also gorgeous and well-kept. As we sit here, I also want to say nominate the last two holes uh, at the Irish course at Whistling Straits. Also pretty tough. Uh, 17 is, it's a short par four. And when I played there last year, I think we played like the middle tees for the the Brown Deer Men's Club event. And it was short enough from those that I could hit driver over the lake or over over the little pond. But if you start playing a little bit further back where you don't hit it as far as I do, you have to hit it to the right. Yeah. And it's not a big area. Like usually, you think of, oh, it's a short par four. I'm going to lay up. No, I mean that the the, the little pond cuts into the fairway. The fairway falls off. So if you miss the fairway, then to the right, you're a foot or two below the fairway, and then below that putting surface. So it's a tougher shot then to hit from there. It's it's really tough. And then a par five to close out with a bunch of bunkers, kind of some center line bunkers that you have to avoid, and an elevated green at the end. It's it's a pretty tough stretch. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. I think the Irish is harder than the Straits. You're not the first or only person to hold that belief. It is it is a tough course. And the entire time you're wishing you were kind of on the Straits because you get just a yes, taste of the lake. But it's such a good golf course. Yeah. And if you haven't played it, I highly recommend it as well. Enjoy the golf the best you can this week uh, with, again, only two top players. But we'll be back just a quick programming note. Next week, our show will not be on Monday. Instead, Brewers Baseball will be right here on 94.5 ESPN. So we'll be back to talk all things golf next Tuesday. This has been On the Tee.